where you were. Now this this kind of dates us, okay? Do you know where you were when John F. Kennedy was shot? Do you know where you were when Pearl Harbor was bombed? Do you know where you were when Ronald Reagan was shot? Do you know where you were when the space shuttle Challenger blew up? Do you know where you were when 9-11-2001 took place? Have you ever wondered why those things want to stick in our minds? It's because they were so tragic, devastating, that it was etched into our minds. If I were to ask you, do you know many questions about maybe your family or family members and so forth, where you were when something tragic had happened, when the doctor came in and said those things, or whatever it might be. Those things were tragic. Those things were devastating to yourself, to that it was etched into your minds that you'll never forget where you were and what you were doing at the time that it happened. But did you know that there was a preacher who once said that I know a man who missed heaven by 18 inches? I thought, well, how could one miss heaven just by 18 inches? And so he stated that he had it here pointing at his head, but not, but not here pointing at his physical heart. And this is what I've been taught all my life. Now, of course, we know that this is just a blood pumping machine. The heart is really here with the mind. And it's all about character and influence and everything else. But we can see this mindset in Christianity even today. When one might pat his chest and he might state, I, you know what, I would rather have what I feel right here pointing at his heart than all the Bibles one can place in this room. And when this happens, one becomes his own standard. This is why it's so hard to convert so many in the religious world because they have a misunderstanding, a misconception of what the really the heart is. And that's why they keep patting this when it's this. They have a good feeling. And to them, that feeling proves that they are saved. I always have to go back and say, but wait a minute. What does the Bible say? It's not based on feelings. It's based on the word of God. The proverb writer said in Proverbs 10, 23, there is a way which seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. Just because it looks good, just because it might be the right way, doesn't make it the right way. But the wise man Solomon also stated in Proverbs 28, 26, that he that trusteth in his own heart is a fool, but whoso walketh wisely, he 
shall be delivered. Let's look at some of the characteristics of the Bible heart. I came to realize that the Bible heart involves the will, the mind, the intellect, the soul, and the emotions of man. Again, Solomon stated, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Proverbs 4.23 You know, the heart is something that man can keep or guard. Again, Solomon stated, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Eat and drink, saith he, but his heart is not with thee. Proverbs 23.7 You see, according to the Bible... This standard, this rule, this standard of, of authority, the heart thinks. This is not our physical blood pumping machine. It is the mind of man that does this. What we think is what we are. And that's a scary thought sometimes, isn't it? What do we think about? Are our minds on illicit sex, illegal drugs, power, material things, or some other sin? Then what is what we are? Well, then that is what we are, whether we like it or not. Peter says one can exercise his heart into covetous practices, having eyes full of adultery, that cannot cease from sin. Beguiling, unstable souls, a heart that has exercised with covetous practices, cursed children, 2 Peter 2, 14. One cannot covet with this blood pumper. However, one can do this with his mind, and John states that our heart can condemn us. He says, for if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our heart, and he knoweth all things. Beloved, if our heart condemn us not, then we have a confidence toward God. That's First John 3, 20 and 21. But notice the heart can condemn man. This is not that physical blood pump. It is the mind or the intellect. God gave us a conscience, and that conscience can condemn us. But let's notice the real problem here. Because you see, we as preachers often preach on subjects like missing worship, social drinking, gambling, immodest apparel, lying, adultery, telling dirty jokes, pornography, stealing, and so on and so on. But those things are really not the problem, is it? The real problem is the heart. If we can't get members of the body of Christ to change their hearts, then they will make the proper... If we can get members of the body of Christ to change their hearts, let me get that right, then they will make the proper changes in their lives. The Bible says to keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life, Proverbs 4.23. That concept of keep means to safeguard, to watch. Why, why must we keep our hearts? Because it is from the heart that we must deal with life. So how will we respond to temptation? 
Well, the answer lies in our hearts, doesn't it? How are we going to deal with those temptations? If one has loaded his heart with trash, then with those ungodly thoughts, he's going to face temptation and greater temptation. Satan is relentless. He will do everything possible. And if he knows that he got a foot in the door, he's going to kick it the rest of the way open and come in. Don't let him get a foot in the door. Our Lord taught us that all sins come from the heart. In Matthew 15, 18 through 20, he says, but those things which proceed out of the mouth come forth from the heart. And they defile the man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witness, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands defileth not a man. And since it's true that all sins proceed from the heart, then we must guard what enters into our hearts. Makes sense, doesn't it? That's why Bible study is so important. We must make sure that we're filling the heart with the right information. And we need to draw from this knowledge to save our lives. Otherwise, we will be hopelessly lost. The Lord related the parable of the sower to show that there are various kinds of hearts. According to Jesus, there are the wayside, the stony, the thorny, and the good grounds, the good hearts, into which that seed could be planted. Oh, the wayside was just too hard. The stony was too shallow. The thorny ground received the seed, but it did great until the cares and the riches and the pleasures of this life choked out that spiritual life from the heart. That's all from Luke 8, 11 through 15. And some members of the Lord's church cannot make it to worship because of ball games or golf or bowling or other family outings. But they want everyone to know that they love God. We talked about that this morning. Surely they have not read the parable of the sower. Because you see, the good heart is the only one which bore fruit and much fruit. So again, we must ask in all honesty, what kind of heart do we have? We must do all that we do from a pure heart. But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, but ye have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you, Romans 6, 17. We sing a song on occasion as an, a song of encouragement. Is our heart right with God? Their heart is far from me. Matthew 15 and verse 8, Jesus declared, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth. They honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. It all looks good from the outside. They're doing everything that looks good. But looking good won't get you to heaven. If your heart is not right. 
Oh, it's easy to sing. How great thou art. I want to be a worker for the Lord. Anywhere with Jesus I can safely go. Here am I. Send me. Heaven will surely be worth it all. However, it becomes much harder to put into practice what we sing. If our heart is far from Jesus. What we find in most cases is that some who sing, I want to be a worker for the Lord, become offended if we ask them to do anything. They have become content in just attending worship services. You talk a good game, but you live a lukewarm life. You see, our love for God can be measured by the degree that we let God into our hearts. And by letting God into our hearts means that he controls every aspect of our lives. When one declares that he loves the Lord and he lives like the devil, he's giving lip service, and that's all. How can one know that he knows the Lord one day a week? How can one know that he knows the Lord for one hour a week? John shows us the way, though. In 1 John 2, 3, and 4, he says, And hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. And Jesus once said, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Luke six forty six. You see, doing what the Lord asks us to do demonstrates our love for him, doesn't it? John put it this way, if you love me, you will keep my commandment. John 14, 15. And then he then states in John 15, 14, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. You see, one cannot show love toward the Godhead without obedience. We deceive ourselves by believing that one can love God and walk in rebellion or disobedience, basically at the same time. Ways that one can show that his heart is far from God. Failing to be pure in heart. You know, in that great sermon that Jesus preached on that mountaintop, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God, Matthew 5, 8. You know, everyone will see Jesus sometime, sooner or later. Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all kindreds of the earth shall well because of him, even so, amen, Revelation 1-7. Let me tell you, Hitler... Madame Madeleine Murray O'Hare, Saddam Hussein. We can just keep going down the list. Ted Bundy. We'll see Jesus one day. John 12, 48. However, only the pure in heart will see God. One cannot live in sin as a, as a man, as a child of God and, and maintain the hope of seeing God. When one claims to be a faithful member of the Lord's church and lives any way he so desires, he's giving lip service 
This individual draws nigh to unto God with his mouth, but his heart is far from him so far. This great principle was taught by our Lord in failing to lay up riches in heaven when during that same Sermon on the Mount, he said, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Matthew 6, 19-21. When one is so wrapped up in the material things, trying to amass great riches here on this earth and forgets to put God first in his life, he's just guilty of lip service. God wants us to be rich toward him. In Luke 12, 20 and 21, he said, But God said unto him, Thou fool this night, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? And so is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That's right. Are we trying to gain all that we can in this life while forgetting to put God first? You know, Jesus asked these very important questions about 2,000 years ago. In Mark 8, 36 and 37, he says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall he give in exchange for his soul? God will take care of our material things if we would just put him first. We can ask the parents, what are you teaching your children? Some parents will miss worship services to take little junior to the ball game or a family outing. And when junior grows up, he's not faithful. And the parents can't understand why. It's because they taught him that sports and family outings are more important than serving the true and living God. There's plenty of time for those things during the week. But Sunday is the Lord's Day. And the Lord's Day, God requires worship from you individually. What were you teaching them about laying up treasures here on earth? When you should have been teaching them to lay up treasures in heaven? Did you teach him that going to heaven is the most important thing on the face of the earth? Could it be that all you were doing was giving lip service to a loving God with all of your heart? Remember what Jesus said? But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here it is. And all these things shall be given unto you. He will take care of those material things. He will see you through. Matthew 6, 33. Failing to put good things into the heart. If I stay around you long enough and listen to what you have to say, will I get a snapshot of your heart? The Bible says, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the, the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. 
A good man out of the good treasure of the heart bringeth forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure bringeth forth evil things. Matthew 12, 34 and 35. Are we putting good things into our heart? That's why we need to be studying the Word of God. That, that's why we need to be attending every worship service as possible. That's why we need to choose good friends. But on the other hand, there are those that view pornography, tell dirty jokes, take God's name in vain. They run with the ungodly. These are they who expose themselves when they open their mouths. This is because they must draw from the resources within their hearts. If we opened up your heart, what would we see? I got a rude awakening not too long ago when I heard that a certain person was using curse words, cuss words, whatever you want to call them. Words that are not fitting for any person to say. I was sad. Do you know what? God sees that already. I just now learned of it. But God seeing, he had already saw, saw that. And they prayed and said, Thou Lord, which knowest the hearts of all men, show whether of these two thou hast chosen. Acts one twenty four. You see, God is so great that he knows all the thoughts of all the people everywhere all the time. And it does not keep him busy. But he, knowing their thoughts and said unto them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And a house divided against a house falleth, Luke eleven seventeen. 17. Is your heart a cesspool of ungodly thoughts? God destroyed the world once because the evil hearts of those men were evil continually. And God saw that the wickedness of the man was great in the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Genesis 6 and verse 5. Why is it that when we become older that sin no longer bothers us? Is it that our hearts have become hardened? Does sin bother you? If it does not, we have a heart problem, don't we? One can go to heaven with a bad blood pumping machine, but one cannot go to heaven with a bad spiritual heart. Are you working on your heart? You know, there are many ways that one can give lip service to God, and one of the ways is failing to hear what he says. We can allow our hearts to wax gross or callous. Here's how, here's how Jesus put it in Matthew 13, 15. For this people's heart is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, and their eyes they have closed lest at any time that they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears and should understand with their heart and should be converted and I should heal them. If it is the case that one is the product of the content of his heart and if it is the case that one's heart has become so hardened that he will not listen to God's word, then he must act out of a heart influenced strictly by the world and the devil. And so his actions will be wrong. They will be sinful. 
when it comes to making choices on religious or moral issues. You see, one's heart has to change before he can be converted. We're not interested in just getting you into this baptistry. It's not all about the baptism. Because there are many steps before it leads to you into that baptistry. But if your heart's not right, you went in a dry center and came out a wet one. And we don't baptize sinners in that sense to bring you out as a sinner again. If you are not willing to change your heart, it ain't going to matter. Underline ain't. You remember what he said there in Paul writing to the Roman church in Romans 6, 17? But God be thanked that ye were the servants of sin, were the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered you. You know, some people seem to get upset if the preacher preaches on social drinking and marriage, divorce, and remarriage, and oh, giving, one church or the plan of salvation. And these people will go about trying their best to get the preacher fired. Don't kill the messenger. Don't fire the messenger. Because you know what? If he's preaching the word, well, I guess you're going to have to fire God. You're going to have to fire Jesus. Because that's what he said. I'm just the messenger. You get mad at the postman when he brings you the bills. I can't believe he bought me another bill today. <laughs> it's your fault, the bills, right? These people truly have a heart problem, don't they? If we do not hear God, then he will not hear us. Proverbs 28, 9. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be in an abomination. God's not going to listen. In hell, one will not have to be concerned about hearing and obeying God, for it will be too late. I preached a sermon a while back on the, the advantages of going to hell. You're like, advantages? What, what advantages? Well, you won't have to listen to that preacher preach about the one church or the plan of salvation ever again. You'll never have to Stand there at the door when, that, when, the, when the person's knocking on the door and invite you to services of the Lord's church ever again because they won't be there. You will never have to deal with that. There's, there's so many advantages of going to hell. I mean, come on. But that's not the reason to go. We need to work on the heart. You know, there are problems that which arise within the body of Christ, and when these arise... One can know that it's a heart problem. Acts 5, 1 through 4, we have Ananias and Sapphira. These, these certain men named Ananias with Sapphira, his wife, they sold a possession and they kept back a part of the prize. His, his wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part, they laid it at the apostles' feet and they gave the impression, it's called deception, that they were given all that they had. They kept back part. And Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, 
Was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thy heart that thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God? Here we find that Ananias followed Satan to enter his heart because Satan had entered his heart. He lied unto God. What is Satan doing to your heart? In Acts 8, 18 through 22, we can see that the thought of Simon's heart got him into trouble thinking that he could buy the gift of the Holy Spirit of all things. We realize by this that the thoughts of our hearts can get us into trouble as well. This is the reason that we must continue to guard our hearts. When we claim to be faithful members of the Lord's church and cause one sinful problem after another, then we're guilty of lip service. I mean, look at of all the members of the Lord's church who are major headaches for the Lord and for the elders of the body of Christ. There cannot be a problem within the kingdom without there being a major heart problem. How many times have we been told before that church can grow that there will be, have to be several funerals? That tells us that there are real heart problems within that congregation of God's people, and this is so sad. Okay, then what must we do? All right, you've told us the bad things. You told us all the things. You told us what the, the heart can do and where it will lead us. Then what must we do with the heart? Love the Lord with all of thy heart. Jesus was being tempted and he was asked, what is the greatest commandment? To which he responded, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is likened unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as well. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. You see, God comes first in our lives. Or else he is not in our lives at all. The heart is the instrument to be used in loving God. And the best thing that we can tell people is that there are two things that one must do to get to heaven. One must get right with God and then get right with his fellow man. A failure to do such will cost one his soul, which means we need to be constantly working on our hearts. God loved us with all of his heart. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 16. He even loved us when we were not lovable. But God committed his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Romans 5, 8, and 9. God is always lovable. But some just still cannot and will not love him. Learning to forgive from the heart. Forgiveness is something of which all mankind will always be in need. And since we always need forgiveness and God's forgiveness, because I'm not perfect, should I, I learn to forgive my fellow man from my heart? Oh, Jesus is a great example of this. Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. Luke 23, 34. Jesus said that in hopes that they would then see the error in their lives and repent. Thus that forgiveness would then go into effect. Stephen, while being stoned to death, had a forgiving spirit. 
He kneeled down, he cried with a loud voice, Lord, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Acts 7, 16. That is, he died. If we do not forget our fe- forgive our fellow man, then God will not forgive us. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Matthew 6, 14. When we see all the adultery and the fornication that just runs rampant in our country, we need to realize that it's a heart problem. But I say also unto you that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her had committed adultery, adultery with her already in his heart, Matthew 5, 28. We read in the paper where a man kidnaps, rapes, and kills a six-year-old girl. And the, well, the real issue is a heart problem, isn't it? America is going downhill morally because we're divorcing ourselves from God and His Word. Without God and His Bible, how shall we work on our hearts? The very source of moral purity comes from God. Well, the heart is one of the most important subjects in the Bible. And if my heart is wrong, then I am wrong. But if my heart is right and is coupled with truth, then guess what? I'm right. And so we need to become closer to God by becoming closer to His Word by reading, studying, and applying what we read and studied. That's wisdom and knowledge, isn't it? And wisdom and knowledge comes from the heart. So let's make the heart right. Then we can make our lives right. So many people having so many problems, it just blows our mind. Just blows our mind. But it's a heart problem. We're out there trying to help people get their hearts right. Then they can get their lives right. That's what the gospel is all about. Jesus made it possible. If you believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son, the living God, if you're willing to make the changes in your life, changing the heart, changing your life, your action, your attitude, repentance, making that good confession and putting the Lord on in baptism for the remission of our sins, guess what? When you come up out of the waters of baptism, you're going to have a new heart. You're going to have a new life. But you have to make that change. You have to. I can't do it for you. I can only encourage you. The encouragement is make that right. If you're here already a child of God, you wandered away. Time is now. Maybe you've got a heart problem. Make things right. Repent and pray that God will forgive you. We'll pray with you and for you. The song of encouragement, number 88. Is thy heart right with God? As together we sing.